Hey everybody, it's Matt. Welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you automatically get our weekly episodes. And you might want to subscribe to our Journey Callaway YouTube channel as well. You'll find messages, music, interviews, inspiring stories, and more for you right there. Now, I hope this episode helps you take your next step in following Jesus. Hey everybody, thanks so much for tuning in. And let me remind you, if you find this helpful, be sure to share it. If it's helpful to you, it's probably going to be helpful to some of the other people around you that you know. So I want to start with this question. Why do you fear what you fear? None of us like the emotion of fear. We all try to avoid it. Well, most of us try to avoid it. There's some of you who actually pay money to go watch horror movies and to go to haunted houses. I don't understand you, but to each his own. You really are just looking for an adrenaline rush. You don't really want fear. I'm talking about why do we fear the deeper things that we fear? Why do we fear things like separation or loss or loneliness or failure? Why, why do we fear some of the stuff that drives behaviors and causes us to make decisions or end up in situations that just aren't really healthy for us? Why do we fear those things? Well, here's part of where that fear comes from. Our fears for the future are usually fueled by our experiences from the past. I'll give you a couple simple examples and then a few more personal ones. So as a child, if you were, had an experience where you were attacked by a dog, well, you have a natural built-in now fear, don't you? Uh, you're cautious when you're around dogs. If you had an experience where you or someone you love nearly drowned, well, you've got a built-in fear now to be cautious around water. Well, the same thing is true with some other experiences from our past. If you had an experience in your past where there was a relationship and you loved someone deeply and fully and unconditionally, and then they betrayed your love, they walked away, and you were heartbroken, well, it's very easy then to let that experience from your past create fear for your present and your future and for you to say, you know what? I'm just never loving anybody like that again. I'm never going to be that vulnerable again. If you had a situation in your past where you trusted someone implicitly, and then they betrayed or broke that trust. Well, it's really easy to let that past drive fear in your future and to go, okay, I'm just never trusting anybody that much again. I'm going to keep people at arm's length. I'm going to protect myself. If you've had an experience in your past where you felt like God was asking you to do something, to take a step of faith, to obey Him, and it felt risky to you, but you thought He wanted you to do it, and so you did it, and then He didn't show up like you thought He was going to, or it didn't turn out well, or... Things didn't work out for you, it cost you, and you never seem to recover from it. Well, it's really easy at that point to go, okay, well, I'm just never going to put myself in that position again. You know, I'll still follow God or I'll, I'll still pay attention to Him. I've still got a relationship, but I'm, I'm never just going to obey Him like that again. And this is where it creates a problem. The past becomes a problem when it creates fear in our future. When it keeps us from and causes us to do some things that really aren't in our long-term best interests, that really aren't healthy. When it keeps us from trusting, when it keeps us from loving, when it keeps us from moving forward, when it keeps us from pursuing dreams or goals or the purpose God has for us, when it causes us to keep people at arm's length, when it causes us not to step out and to follow, when it causes us not to pursue a dream, when it causes us not to open ourselves up, and have the opportunity to have relationships that are personal and intimate. Well, when experiences from our past are creating that kind of fear and causing those kinds of problems in our future, we've got to pay attention to it. And more importantly, we've got to address it. So what do you do about those deep fears? What do you do about the problems from your past that may be creating fear in your future? 
This is episode three of Scared to Death. Why are we talking about fear? Well, I don't know. Maybe because 2020 has brought us a pandemic combined with an economic shutdown that's left us on the brink of an economic meltdown while navigating social unrest in an election year. I don't know how you'd go through all that without having some fear. And we haven't even gotten to the personal issues that you and I are dealing with this year. So we're all feeling fear. And while we'd love to put our heads under the covers and say, you know what, I'm going to come out in 2021, it's not really a good option for us, is it? So we've got to figure out how to navigate through and how to deal with fear. Fear is an emotion, as we've talked about throughout this series, is an emotion that's caused by belief of impending potential loss. It's an emotion caused by belief of impending potential loss. And the thing is, if you let fear run its course in your life, it will control you. Fear always wants the steering wheel. And fear will take you and drive you to some places you really don't want to go. And for some of you, you're there right now and you're going, but I don't know how to get back and I don't know how to regain control. I don't know how to navigate my way through this fear and move it to the side. That is what we've been talking about. And today, as we wrap up this final episode, we're going to move beyond looking at the fear that's caused by the uncertainty of the future, at the fear that's felt through the anxiety of the present. And we're going to talk about fear that is driven by the problems from our past, because we don't want fear to continue to have the steering wheel. Now, the response to fear that many of us have, and this is natural, the problem is it's just not helpful, but the problem many of us have, or the response many of us have, is we begin to build a wall. Whenever we feel fear of any kind, whenever we experience something in our past that causes us to feel fear, well, we just want to build a wall to protect ourselves. And we build those walls in different ways, depending on your personality. Some of us build a wall through control. Just try to control everything. You can relate to this, some of you. You're going to control them, and you're going to control your scenario. In other words, you don't ever want to put yourself in a position where you don't feel like you have total control anymore. It's your way to build a wall to protect yourself. For others of us, we build walls through withdrawal. Because you've been hurt, because you're afraid, you're just going to withdraw from the situation. You're going to try to you know, abstain from putting yourself in any position where you might have to face your fear. So you just separate yourself, not just from circumstances, but... You separate yourself from people. You keep people at arm's length. For others of us, we build the wall through anger. You ever been around somebody like this? Who they just seem to be so easily offended by things that you think, that shouldn't have made you angry. I don't know why that set you off. Well, sometimes that anger is a controlling mechanism. It's a protective mechanism. It's their way of building a wall and avoiding or trying to navigate their way through fear. For others of us, it's humor. You ever met somebody like this? They use humor to diffuse things, but really what they're doing is the more time you're around them, you're like, I think they're using their humor to build a wall and to keep some distance between me and them. I think they use their humor to keep people at arm's length. For others, it may be sarcasm. I don't know anything about sarcasms. Some of you probably can relate. For others of us, it's criticism. You ever run across somebody like this? It's like they see every problem. They just never bring a solution. They're always pointing out what's wrong but they don't want to engage, you can't get them to engage in trying to help fix the problem. Well, that's their way of going, nope, there's a problem there, so I'm not getting involved. Nope, there's a problem there, so I don't want to get too close to that. They're using their criticism as a way to build a wall and protect themselves. For some, and you're familiar with this, is substance abuse. It goes to that extreme. We use a lot of different things, and probably most of us use a combination of these things to build walls to protect ourselves. The problem is, while it's easy to build walls, it is not helpful. It's not helpful to us. It's certainly not helpful to the people around us. So your Heavenly Father and my Heavenly Father, and maybe you've never thought of Him this way, but your Heavenly Father, He loves you way too much 
to let you live your life behind walls, to let you live your life trying to avoid fears. Let's be honest with ourselves. They're unavoidable. You can't really avoid them. You can try to ignore them, but you can't avoid them. The walls don't actually protect you. They just give us the impression that we're protected. And your Heavenly Father loves you too much to let you live behind those walls. And so he meets you and he meets me where we are. And he meets us with all the baggage, with all the problems from our past that we carry that could so easily and maybe rightly so create fear in us. And he says, no, 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 you don't have to keep carrying that baggage. You don't have to keep carrying those problems and you don't have to let that drive fear in your future. So what I want to do today is I want to share with you a story about how you can navigate through problems from your past and make sure those problems from your past don't rob you of experiencing God in your present and in your future. This is a story that you're probably not very familiar with. It's a story that is found in a really, really short letter in the New Testament. And if you're you know, just reading through the Bible, this is one that's easy to skip or one that's easy not to pay attention to. But to give you a little context, you are familiar with this guy. His name's Paul. Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament documents. Paul started churches all over the known world there in the first century, and he was influential in starting a church at a city called Colossae. And this church that started at Colossae helped a man by the name of Philemon begin a relationship with Jesus. And the church at Colossae ended up meeting in the home of Philemon for quite a period of time. So we would surmise by that that Philemon probably was somewhat wealthy if he had a home large enough to be able to house the church at that time. We also think Philemon was probably wealthy because Philemon had a slave by the name of Onesimus. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, whoa, 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 how could anybody, but especially how in the world could a Christian own slaves? Well, let me remind you of two things. First of all, in the first century Roman world, slavery was common and normalized. It wasn't right, but it was common and normalized. Just like it's self-evident to us today that slavery is evil, well, if you met somebody who was a Roman in the first century or who lived in that culture in the first century, it was Self-evident to them, at least from their perspective, that slavery was fine. As a matter of fact, much of the Roman economy was built on slave labor. But the other thing I would remind you of is this. When you began following Jesus, all of your bad habits, all of your hurtful habits, all of your faulty priorities and values, they didn't all disappear immediately, did they? No. As you begin following Jesus, over time he changes you and aligns your values, your habits, and your behaviors with his. Well, that's exactly what happened with Philemon. Yeah, he was following Jesus, but he still had a lot of change that needed to happen in his heart. And one of the things that had to change was his view of slaves. And it did, but I'm getting a little ahead of myself. So here's what happens in this story. Onesimus, who probably had had some experience or interaction with Paul as Paul was there in Colossae, and you know, he probably had been in Philemon's home. Onesimus one day decides he's going to run away. But before he runs away from Philemon, he robs Philemon, takes as much as he can get away with, and he runs to the urban city of Rome. Now, the reason he ran there is because he wanted to be in the biggest city he could be in because it was easy for him to blend in, it was easy for him to hide, and possibly he wouldn't be found. And so Philemon, or Onesimus robs Philemon, takes off, ends up in Rome. Well, it just so happened that Paul was also in Rome, but he wasn't in the best situation either. Paul had been arrested by the Romans. This was his first arrest. He had been arrested by the Romans for spreading the message of Jesus, and he is sitting in some type of Roman prison cell. Now, if you don't know much about first century Roman prisons, 
They didn't bring you three square meals a day. They didn't take care of you. The only way you would survive a Roman prison cell is if you had friends on the outside who would bring things to you, provide things to you, and take care of you. Well, somehow, some way, and we don't know exactly how this happened. Maybe some of Paul's friends ended up running into Onesimus and recognized him. We don't know what happened. But through the course of all of this, Onesimus gets connected with Paul, who's sitting in a Roman prison cell. And Paul and Paul's friends help Onesimus reach the point where he chooses to begin following Jesus. He becomes a Jesus follower. And then Onesimus, along with Paul's other friends, begin to provide for Paul and show up and meet with him and spend time with him and make sure he had everything he needed. And everything is going really well, except there's this one little pesky problem. Onesimus is still a runaway slave. And while he has a new life, so to speak, he hasn't escaped the pain and the fear of his old life. He's got past problems. His robbing Philemon, his running away as a slave, they're catching up to him. And he's got to figure out how to deal with that. And so Paul helps him navigate through these fears, and Paul's going to help you and I learn how to navigate through it as well. But what he says to Onesimus is he says, you can't move forward until you first go back. It's the last thing you want to do, Onesimus, but you've got to go back and you've got to address your past. You've got to deal with it. And so Paul writes two letters. He writes one to the church at Colossae. In our New Testament, it's called Colossians. So he writes that letter to all of the believers there in the city. And then he writes a second, much shorter letter directly to Philemon. And then imagine this. He looks at a couple of his friends and he says, I want you to take Onesimus and I want you all to go back. Can you imagine what Onesimus is thinking then? Are you kidding me? He says, no, I want you to go back and I want you to deliver this letter to the church. And then he looks at Onesimus and he says, here's a letter directly to Philemon. I want you to deliver it to him and I want you to deal with the problems from your past that's creating fear for you. In the present. And so Onesimus does. They go back, they deliver the letter to the church, and then Onesimus walks into the home of his master, into the home of the man that he's robbed, and he hands him the letter and he stands there. And Philemon opens it up. And here is what Philemon reads as Onesimus stands right in front of him. Paul had written this. He says, It is as none other than Paul. An old man now, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, he's sitting in a Roman prison cell, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. So Paul's going, Philemon, a lot's changed since he was here before. Now, my relationship with Onesimus, he's like a son to me, who became my son while I was in chains, while I was sitting right here in this prison cell. He goes on, formerly he was useless to you, Philemon, because he, he robbed from you, he stole from you, and then he ran away. But now he's become useful both to you and to me. Because Philemon, he is different. Philemon, he has changed. He continues on. He says, I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. Now, put yourself in Onesimus' shoes for just a minute. Can you imagine standing there and watching Philemon read this and wondering what in the world is going to happen to me? Now, if you don't know much about first century slavery and Probably we've had no reason to research that. But you can imagine, you can imagine the punishment that awaited runaway slaves when they were captured or when they came back. It was not pretty. In many cases, it was fatal. And Onesimus knows exactly what he deserves and exactly what he should be getting because of what he's done. But he's standing there anyway. 
Because Onesimus, with Paul's help, had come to realize, as scared as I am about the consequences of my decisions in the past, well, I'll tell you what's worse. What's worse is me living paralyzed by fear today because I won't address what happened in the past. Onesimus had realized the only way he could move forward and do what God had now called him to do was if he went back and he addressed the past. And so he is standing there, completely vulnerable, completely guilty, waiting to see how Philemon would respond. Meanwhile, Philemon continues to read, and he reads these words from Paul. Perhaps the reason, Philemon, that Onesimus was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, which I'm sure Philemon's thinking, no, he was separated because he stole from me and then ran away. Paul said, no, no, no. Maybe God was at work here, and you didn't even realize it. That you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He's very dear to me, but even dearer to you, Philemon. He goes on. He says, as a fellow man, as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, would you welcome him as you would welcome me? He says, Philemon, your relationship with him has now changed. It's not master-slave anymore. It's two brothers who are part of the family of God. And then Paul does what all of us would hope Paul would do. When Paul says, would you welcome him back just like you would welcome me? This is Paul's way of saying, Philemon, I'm asking you to free him. And I'm asking you to forgive him for everything that he's done. Give him his freedom. And you two stand side by side equal. Because he's a part of the family of God just like you. He has the same value, dignity, and worth that you do. So do the right thing. Give him his freedom. And together, you can serve and follow God. And Philemon is sitting there thinking, what in the world will it cost me if I do that? Now think about it. For Philemon, it's going to cost him not just everything that Onesimus took from him. He's going to have to forgive all that. But it's going to cost him everything that Onesimus could provide in the future as a slave. This is not a simple request. And we can't wrap our minds around this because we don't work this way and our economy doesn't work this way. But in the first century Roman world, this was a costly, costly request. And Paul knows that. And so Paul adds this on for Philemon. He says this, And if he's done you any wrong or owes you anything, which Paul knew he had, you just charge it to me. Paul says, whatever the cost is, if you're not willing to forgive it, I'll pay it so he can be free. And you know what Philemon does? Well, Philemon owed his very life to Paul because of what Paul had done for him. So Philemon says, nope, Paul doesn't owe me a thing. And he looks at Onesimus. Imagine this moment. Imagine how powerful and emotional this must have been. He looks at Onesimus and he says, you don't owe me a thing. You're forgiven. And you're free. And for the rest of Onesimus' life, he was able to move forward and pursue the purpose that God had for him. He was able to move forward and alongside Paul work to advance the message of Jesus. But he was only able to do it because he was willing to go back and deal with what was in his past so he could move forward through his fear. And he was only able to do it because Ones or Philemon rather, was willing to demonstrate and extend grace and forgiveness to him as well. Now, 
If you're thinking, okay, well, that's an interesting story. I've never heard that before, but what does that have to do with me facing fears that are driven by my past experiences? Well, let me give you three lessons that we learn right from this story. The first one is this. You and I need to identify our fear. The first thing you need to do is identify what it is you're afraid of and why you're so afraid. Where is it coming from? Is there something that happened to you in the past and you have assumed because of that that it will happen to you over and over again if you don't protect yourself? Is there something that happened in a past relationship that's keeping you from experiencing intimacy and vulnerability in a present relationship? Is there something that happened back here that you've never dealt with it, you've never fixed it, it broke trust, and now it's impacting your current relationship, your marriage, with your kids, with a coworker, with a friend, whoever it may be? Is there something that happened in your past and it's the real reason you won't do the next thing that God is asking you to do? It's the real reason you don't feel comfortable stepping out and trusting God and obeying Him. You need to start. I need to start. You've got to identify your fear. You've got to know exactly what it is. You can't ignore it. You can't build a wall and say, nope, I'm going to be fine. I'm just not even dealing with it. No, no, no. You've got to come face to face with it. Just like Onesimus. You have to say, nope, there is a fear here. And it links all the way back to what happened back there. Then the second thing you do is you address your past. Once you identify that fear, you go all the way back and you address whatever that past experience was that's creating that fear. Now, that may mean you sit down with a counselor and you start working your way and processing your way through it. It may mean you have to go back and you have to have a conversation. It may mean you have to make amends for some things if you did something. It may mean you need to ask forgiveness if you offended someone. It may mean you need to extend forgiveness. And I'm not saying you have to have a conversation with the person. I just mean there may have been some things where somebody hurt you deeply and you've actually never gotten to the point where you said, okay, I'm willing to forgive them. If you're not sure how to go about that process, we did a series recently called The Grudge. You can watch that and walk you through exactly how to process and offer forgiveness. But whatever it is, there comes a point where we have to go back and we actually have to address it. We have to acknowledge this thing that happened back here, well, it keeps showing up here. It is keeping me from some things. It is causing me to do some things. It is driving some behaviors in me that are unhealthy. So I've got to change. I'm going to identify my fear. Then I'm going to address the past. And then I'm going to trust God with my future. Now, let me tell you why I mentioned this one. Because when you choose to go back and begin to address some of the problems from your past that's creating fear in your future, it's going to scare you to death. It's going to scare you to death because you don't know the outcome. You don't know how it's going to turn out. You don't know if I go back and address this, will things get better or worse? Just like Onesimus, you don't know what the response or what the reaction or what the outcome will be. And you've got to be willing to walk out from behind your wall, make yourself vulnerable, and trust God with whatever happens as you address those fears and address your past. You've got to trust God with the outcome. You've got to trust Him with the future. Now, why would I ask you to do that? Well, for one simple reason. Because you can be absolutely confident that your Heavenly Father, not only is He with you, but He's for you. I mean, Jesus settled the question of whether He was on your side when He gave His life on a cross for you and me. We shouldn't doubt that again. So you can trust God that he wants what's best for your future. I'm not saying everything's going to work out perfectly and you won't have any more problems, but you can trust God that he'll guide you through it, that he'll give you the strength, that he's going to be for you because he's already shown it. He's already proven it. 
Besides, if you don't trust him, who else do you have to trust with your future? You? You know you don't have any control over your future. That's why you built walls to protect yourself. That's why you're trying to hide from your past. That's why you don't want to deal with your fear. Listen, if God is for you, as we have said throughout this series, there is no fear that can rule you. If God is for you, there is no fear that can control you. If God is for you, you don't have to let fear have the steering wheel of your life. You can give it to the one who loved you, died for you, and wants a relationship with you. He really does have your best interest at heart. Do not let the problems of your past, the experiences of your past, rob you of experiencing God in your present and in your future. Come out from behind the wall. The wall's already cost you too much. The wall's already cost you too many opportunities. That fear has already paralyzed you too many times. It's already sabotaged too many great relationships. It's already sabotaged and kept you from experiencing your purpose and your dreams. It's time to come out from behind the wall. Don't let the experiences of your past rob you of experiencing God in your present and your future. Let him walk you through dealing with the past. Identify your fear, address it, and trust him with the outcome. Let me pray for you. Father, would you give us the wisdom to know what's driving the fears that each of us are feeling? Would you give us the wisdom to be able to say, that's really what's going on. This is really why I'm building a wall. This is really why I'm trying to avoid that. And then would you give us the courage, once we know what's at the root of it, to deal with it, even when it's hard. And most of all, would you give us the assurance you are with us, that you are for us, and we can trust you with the outcome of our journey. We do not have to live scared to death because we are sons and daughters of the one who's conquered death. And when you conquer death, there's nothing else that's left to fear. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you'd like more content like this, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our Journey Callaway app to access all of our recent message content. And our app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. For more information on our church, be sure to visit journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Thanks for listening.